Uh, we've lost all track of time and calories don't count. Uh, I think that was the yeah. rule we set in stayed at the beginning of the quarantine. Calories don't count from here on out. Yes. Calories, <laughs> time, uh, Amazon purchases. All of those things can be accounted for afterwards. We are in quarantine mode. We all got to do what we can to get by. Uh, you know what I've been watching lately? Hmm. When a crime breaks out, all the good girls shout, there's a good-looking good looking guy. guy. Bro, <laughs> isn't this episode just the fucking best? It's one of my favorites. We will get into it. But speaking of which, do you want to just start it off? Yes. Let's jump in. When the spawn is What up, bros? What up, bros? I've been practicing my scales. Oh, you know what? See, now's the time. I, I want to hear all the octaves. We have nothing we, but time. We, we, we need no to excuse. push ourselves Absolutely. during this time to break, tr- you know, patterns. <laughs> Welcome to Bro Meets World. Your Boy Meets World fan cast. I'm Siege. And I am Tony Coitus. How is everyone doing? Yes, welcome to episode 71. Tony, tell me something good. Well, we just watched season four, episode two, Hair Today, Gone Tomorrow. Goon Tomorrow. Uh, This episode, I think, is such, I think... A pretty iconic Boy Meets World episode. Like, absolutely. And, like, as far as just being memorable. Yep. A hundred percent. Like, that was one of the things I was like, oh, the Topanga Cuts Her Hair episode. I was, like, so excited about it. But you know what's so great about this fucking episode? The A storyline is as memorable and enjoyable as that B storyline. Eric as the good-looking detective. I sing that song. Oh my! I find myself singing that song in the shower when I'm driving. When I every time I comb my hair, I think, "Good-looking guy." <laughs> but yeah, I I love this episode. I remember seeing this episode live. Um, this episode obviously cemented my really unhealthy Topanga crush obsession of the '90s. Um, I mean, who didn't love Topanga uh, after that reveal? I mean, that was that's the best. I mean, we we host another podcast called Movie Makeover, and we've discussed many makeovers that happen in movies. But is there one as iconic as Danielle Fisher from the beginning of this episode to where they reveal her in her brand new, amazing '90s fucking Roxanne goofy movie hair? It's wonderful. Um, Miss Congeniality. That's the only one that I will like bring up. But uh, yeah, outside of that, I think Topanga takes the cake in terms of nineties. It's babe hair. It's babe hair. <laughs> Absolutely, it is very. It is very um, Baywatch. Yasmin. Yeah, Bliss. or like even like kind of like Tiffany Amber Thiessen yes. type of just like big, but like. I don't know. They were like, dude, they're like they're old works. enough now. We're marketing on it. Okay, so let's 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 jump into this. Let's let's do the the nitty gritty. All right. So you want to start off with the roll call? I mean, the tell me about it. Tell me about it. Tell me all about the show. This is season four, episode two. Hair today, goon tomorrow. After Corey expresses his insecurity about his hair, Topanga cuts off six inches of her own in an attempt to show him how meaningless outward appearances is compared with inner beauty. 
However, she soon realizes that even she can be self-conscious when she becomes horrified after seeing her new do and decides to get a makeover. Meanwhile, Eric refuses to look for a job and instead stays home watching daytime TV. But what will he do when he gets a glimpse of the real world? Okay, so where do you want to start with this? Okay, so actually I'm going to do something a little bit different. You know, I usually like to start with the B storyline, but I say we go straight into Topanga. That's what we came here for. 100%. Um, and this is her episode. Her, her reveal as a series regular, like a, a legit series regular, like every episode series regular. Here's what's interesting to me. Because this is Topanga's episode, but I do not like the way we handled Topanga in this episode. Oh, I kind of did. I'm interested to get in it with you. but okay, I, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and I'm excited to talk about that. Well, the reason why I feel like this is such a great Topanga episode is because I really love this idea of, like, pretty privilege. If, yeah. if that's a thing, attractive privilege. Yeah. I, I don't know what you, we want to label this. No, pretty privilege is dead on. Pretty privilege. She was always attractive, so she never had to worry about the way she looked. She always felt confident because she liked what she saw. And I just thought that was a really interesting idea, again, for, like, a show for kids. Like, the, it's it's taking a concept that's really surface, a makeover episode, and really, like, layering it and making it about something deeper, having Topanga analyze why it means something to her to get this admiration for her looks. Um, it's... How it relates to Corey and just him feeling like awkward and unattractive the way we all kind of feel when we're in high school and that we're not as good looking as everyone else. And I I just felt like it it really worked well for the both of them. And I I, I really enjoyed the way they fleshed it out. I don't think that it's terrible. You know, we gave Topanga like kind of a centric storyline. We challenged her beliefs, not only of like the world, but of herself. I think that's great. What I don't like is the way that the story frames it. First of all, Corey is the one who starts off insecure. And he's insecure about his looks, his hair, once again. We see everyone, including Sean, looking in the mirror. They have all of this really perfect hair. There's a great gag where uh, Corey's looking into the locker and he has a photo of Mr. Potato Head and he has like a little cop pipe that he's looking in. Looking at that, and then Topanga is the one who's like, it doesn't mean that much. She cuts her hair and then immediately freaks out. And A, I think it's like, why did Topanga have to go through this journey? It seems like they're constantly shaming Topanga in this episode instead of working on Corey's problem. If we wanted to do this storyline, why not have Sean cut his hair? Why not have Corey shave his head bald? You get what I'm saying? Totally. Okay, so this actually brings up a great point that I wanted to touch on, which is this... The, the action of Topanga cutting her hair. Why is she do it? And why is she the one that has to do it? I think Topanga cuts her hair because when she does it, dude, it reminds me of like lipstick on the face Topanga. It reminds me of like that weird, weird girl who she thinks she still is. Maybe she doesn't know she's in high school now. Everyone is focusing on relationships and appearances in different ways. And she feels confident with how she looks. So in her head, she thinks she's just that free flower uh, child from the first season. Not understanding that once she cut her hair, she noticed and recognized vanity in and of herself. 
Is vanity or wanting to appear attractive bad? No, not at all. But for Topanga, this girl who thought she was such the opposite of that, to have to confront where she stands with it, I thought was super awesome. You know what? As you talk, I think that what I'm realizing my real problem was is the way that Corey is used in this episode, not necessarily journey that Topanga goes on. Oh, I think Corey and Sean are the worst in this episode, but we can go back to Well, because Corey says to her she's too good for him, and he says that she's going to have better options than he's just down. But now that she's cut her head, they can go through life together. So he's happy that she feels worse about herself. I didn't enter. I thought he just meant like, hey, you're feeling awkward. I'm feeling awkward. We can console each other. We can be there for each other. That's how I thought of it. Yeah, but either way, he's happy that she's been brought down a peg. Sure, sure, sure. Like he literally, that's how he says it. He exclaims about how much joy he's getting about the fact that she was once up there. And instead of, you know, working on himself, figuring out what else he could do, he's like, oh, now she's brought down. I'm happier. And then also at the end, even Topanga has to lose her makeover and Corey has to realize that he's been pretty all along. Do you get what I'm going with this? I don't know. I still like it, bro. I, I still do. <laughs> you and I, these are the moments where I'm like, yeah, is it nostalgia versus the actual movement? I love I love what you're saying about Topanga, and I feel like if we were going to do that, it's like, well, then, yes, let's have that moment of her with the lipstick on her face. Let's remind Topanga about who she used to be and not shame her for Actually, it's not like her grade started to fall or anything as far as we know. She just started looking into a mirror more. And because she started to do that and Corey's going through something, Sean goes into the bathroom to shame her. Yeah, I mean, again, I didn't pick up on any of the shame parts, but I will say that Corey's insecurities were... Uh, he they were they were outwardly expressed. They were inwardly expressed. He didn't think of him like what he could do for himself. He started just saying, "Well, everyone else is just too attractive," or "Oh, she's less attractive, so it's better for me." It's a very selfish mentality, and I totally agree. And I that part of Corey I don't like in this episode. But the whole idea that he just feels like, "Oh, you know what? I wasn't that bad looking all along." I don't I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, well, you know what it is? It's also, I think there's this narrative, and I don't know if you've seen it before, but there's this narrative, especially with girls on television and in media, where it's like the whole you don't know you're beautiful thing. It's like what makes a girl really attractive is a girl who's attractive and doesn't know it yet. Totally. That's what I was seeing when I saw this. It's like Topanga realizes that she's attractive, and again, we don't see her hanging out with more shallow people. We don't see her do anything other than now notice and take time to take care of herself. And everyone's like, the girl I knew didn't care about makeup. She didn't care about how she looked. She was focused on being a good friend. And it's like, we haven't seen Topanga be any less of a person. We've just seen her care about her looks a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. I have a question for you. Yes. What did you think of Sean's reaction to Topanga? Okay, so... It's it's weird because the initial idea that Sean is, again, driven by his hormones, and he's like, oh, look, I just got to go for it. I understand that she's my best friend's girlfriend, but I can't see an attractive girl and not shoot my shot. It's a gag. There's a lot yes. of 
gags in this episode. Like the old lady Schneider joke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a miracle. The whole hairdresser who's from Italy, but actually Philadelphia. Let's talk about roll call a little bit because that yeah. does bring us to Dom Herrera, who plays Bosco. The hairdresser, and he he has a fake Italian accent, which then turns into a Brooklyn accent. We're just living in the '90s era of stereotypes here. <laughs> I understand the joke. I like uh, the guy that they had do the the makeover, but I kind of wanted a, a female to help Topanga find her beauty instead of a man. Is that too? Am I looking too deep into this? No, I think this is. I think this is what I'm talking about. The whole "you don't know you're beautiful" argument is really frustrating because it's like the a girl's value is only present when she doesn't know how beautiful she is, but the guys all adore her. So the fact that Corey loved Topanga before the makeover or the fact that Sean was hitting on Topanga after the makeover, that's what they really liked. But the moment she bought into it, it was like, yeah, you know what? I am cute. They were like, whoa, 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 slow your horses. And then even Feeney, when Topanga cut her hair, was like, oh, you chose now to experiment? That'll go well. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like we just saw her reaction in a world of men. We couldn't have, like, one scene where Amy sees Topanga. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that would have been nice. That would have been really nice to have, like, Amy react really positively and maybe Corey confront her and then she say something to make him reconsider how much of an asshole he's being. Like, that would have been a better way to handle the episode. It would have been great to have Trini come up for this episode. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's, she's not in the season, unfortunately, but yeah. Have Trini give the monologue that Sean does. Or, like, have we seen her parents yet? Has her mom popped up yet? I don't know if we have. Oh, yeah. God forbid Topanga's mom say something to her. Yeah, daughter, like, you know, yeah. she has a family of her own, too. Like, it's... And yeah, she, I believe she has a sister <laughs> named Nebula. Exactly. I mean, and that, you don't even have to cast someone. You could just say, my sister Nebula went through a phase like this. Or something, you know what I mean? It's like, just yeah. show that there are women there. And this isn't just... All the men reacting to Topanga now understanding that she's attractive. I really want to point out some jokes that I thought were funny from this episode before we move over to the other storyline. Um, there is a joke about the bathroom couch that always makes me laugh. <laughs> They're like, how come you need a couch in the bathroom? Sometimes we need to lay down. First of all, the idea of a couch in the bathroom is disgusting. Especially now that we know what we know about Rona. A hundred percent. That <laughs> Rona be hiding, y'all. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just I always thought it was kind of a funny reoccurring joke because I think they bring back this bathroom and there's always that couch in it. And I just thought it was funny that they thought to keep including that. Well, it's really funny because in television shows, I was thinking I was watching Recess not too long ago and the girls' bathroom is always... I think it's because you have a lot of male writers and the girls' bathroom is always like a different wonderland. It's never like yeah. the same bathroom only with more stalls. Sure. A little cleaner, a little bit more <laughs> of a hangout. Um, uh, I, I do want to point out quickly, just because I'm sure if someone's listening to this, they're probably screaming it at us too, that Daniel Fischel had been begging to get her haircut for seasons. And so they actually incorporated it into a storyline in the show, which again would explain why she cuts her hair over someone like Sean. Absolutely. But also, I, I, again, I kind of feel like what they wanted to do is they were like, we'll let you cut your hair, but don't get too big about it. You know what I mean? 
Like, tell me that's not, like, implicitly in there. I don't know. It's it's really interesting because when she... The way she looks when she's completely made over, am I wrong? Or is that how she continues to look for the rest of the season? I feel like she doesn't look that different going forward. Yeah, she doesn't. I think think it really is... That moment, though, is kind of like them reminding... Again, it just feels like it's for the male audience. I don't know. It kind of feel... It kind of felt like they were trying to show that moment when, like a girl learns to do her makeup and her hair for the first time. And like, she starts wearing a dress and like that, it, that could have been a very cute, like sincere, precious moment for Topanga, but they made it so much about Corey that they kind of missed that. And maybe that's all I'm trying to say. I also want to point out in our roll call, uh, Will Estes, who plays Dylan. And uh, do you remember who Dylan was? Fresh my memory. On Dylan, Dylan is a guy who hit on Topanga. Yes, who right? gave him, uh, gave her his card. Locker number one sixty eight. It's a good locker. It's a good locker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was like, they casted him as arrogant asshole perfectly. He even has the puka shell necklace, and I was like, this is it's, the first oh time God, I've puka seen the puka necklace. shell necklace on. In this series, and I'm so in love with it. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I definitely probably was into, like, a Dylan at th- around this time. Like, just oh, the hair, the puka shell necklace. The I grew up in Florida. Hair. What do you want from me? <laughs> I call it the curtains. It just feels like just great oh, curtains separated yes. in between the forehead perfectly. Yes. Him and then Ethan Kraft from Lizzie McGuire. The dumb surfer dude. I... I love who I love. Don't, you can't shame me. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> love is love. Love is love. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, so can we please talk about good-looking guy? I went on Reddit for this episode, and someone pointed out this is like the beginning of him, his kookiness, his madness. Like, we really, really lean into it post this episode. And I wonder if, like, being unemployed and being without direction really messes with Eric's head. Totally, 100%, that's what's happening here. And it's interesting because I always thought that they made him kookier as a response to just, like, feeling like he was a little vanilla in the first season. Like, trying to do something a little different with his character. Yeah. But you actually do kind of see, like, a real, like mental not not a, i don't know if it's a mental breakdown but like really just like him questioning his place in the world and like it's making him just like a little kooky yeah. and like he's sitting around all day and he's daydreaming and he's kind of in his own head about things and so i think that as he continues to find his way and he's lost i think that lost i don't know where to go uh thing about him is the thing that makes him sympathetic when he's so fucking off the walls goofy yeah absolutely but i do i do think it seems to be i never thought of it that way but i feel like eric snaps you know we see um him living in his own world uh which would make sense moving forward and also like this is topanga's episode for her her hair but eric's hair is pretty like eric in this episode like this season is prime eric hair i think well it's funny because we again this is what i was talking about earlier we shame topanga for being aware of her looks but but eric is like this is what i have going for me i'm the good looking guy like that's what his that's what he thinks his yeah, he's selling leaning point into is. his vanity too. It's interesting. I did not pick up on how those two storylines connect with vanity, but that's interesting. Eric is no longer motivated, and no one says, Eric, you can't 
rest on your looks the whole time. They were just like, do something, do anything. It's yeah, fine. just get paid for it. <laughs> exactly. But for Topanga, they're like, hey, slow down a little bit. <laughs> um, and this also maybe, I, I think, contributes to your theory that the longer Eric's hair gets, the crazier he gets. Eric, at this point in time, is, I think, the epitome of everything we hate about entitled white men, especially now. He is in his parents' house, in a bathrobe, eating cereal, not doing anything to better his position, and then has the audacity to complain about townies. Oh, bro, and- I, I love that. I loved it. <laughs> I really did, because... Here's Eric not realizing the opportunities that he has. And the show actually says, check your privilege. He goes out with a woman whose situations are drastically different than his. And she even says, like, it must be nice. It must be nice to have your parents pay for shit. It must be nice to have all the support and help and opportunity that I don't have. Making Eric second think his own self, making him maybe uh, see the humanity in this person who he didn't even think was good enough to go out with, like... I thought they did a fantastic job bringing his character back around. Well, I will say that with the with the introduction of Tammy, who final person on our roll call today, that was Dana Dory. Um, she plays Tammy. She has a two year old, and you know she's basically like going through some things. And Eric's just like, of course, he's complaining because he doesn't have any direction, but he has all the support. And I, you're right. I like that they bring that up there, but. I'll say that Eric seems to take away kind of the wrong message. And what I mean by that is he just goes, I guess I'm a townie now. You know what I mean? It's just like he doesn't go, hey, thanks, mom and dad. I signed myself up for a job fair and this is what I'm doing now. No, he goes, well, I guess I'm one of them. Exactly. And this these were, of, of course, my, my main issues with, I think it, a lot of it was like how they framed the two storylines. I love the two storylines from a television point of view. I think that they're great and they're memorable. But I also feel like look, upon second watch, uh, they really frame the parallel storylines kind of hypocritically and definitely in favor of... A white male audience. I have to say, I, I do not think they are hypocritical of each other. I think what the show asks is that for both Topanga and for Cor- uh, for both Topanga and uh, Eric to uh, figure out how they feel about themselves, whether it be their appearance and you know what that means for them. Uh, Topanga, in a way, is like saying, you know, do I want my looks to matter? Eric is in his head, is thinking his looks are all that matters. And both of them kind of have a revelation at the end of the episode. I am here for this episode because honestly, and with, even with the Rona that's going on right now, I know for a <laughs> fact that if a crime breaks out, the cute girls are going to shout. <laughs> I feel like this is Boy Meets World. And we know when there's a lesson that they want to tell, they're pretty direct with it. So if you're getting one reading of it and I'm getting another, I feel like they just didn't bring it home the way that Boy Meets World can. Possibly. And I feel like it really is about how you want to 
interpret the two storylines. I will give you that. This show is always leaving room for interpretation, for discussion. And in that way, it is art. And it is art that lives beyond the rest of the trash that was shoved into our Friday night lineups. You're right. I mean, I will say say everything we want to say. Um, Corey never slept with one of his teachers, even though... Mr. Turner, here's my turn to on by Turner moment. Turn on by... Wait, is he in this episode? Yes. Turner, this is the first time we see him. Oh, I... He's I, talking about... Remember, sorry. Pygmalion. Yes, Pygmalion. Okay, bro, have to bring this up. A classic Boy Meets <laughs> World moment. When they introduce literature that has complete relevance to the ongoings of the kids' lives. That's where Boy Meets World lives and thrives, bro. Turner is in this episode just as much as he needs to be in No More. Even though it was a risky look, the sideburns Turner, it was kind of doing something for me. I don't know. It was a bit much, but still, overall, the look, I've given it a yeah, Turner. <laughs> <laughs> All right, do you have anything else you want to say about this episode um no i think it's an incredibly memorable episode i think it's fun to watch i think that all the actors know who their characters are now and they're leaning into it they're playing with it they're having fun with it sean i think is bringing so much humor to the show that he didn't really bring when he was going through his more dramatic moments in the previous seasons humor and heart I mean, like, we kind of yeah. know that, but they really are bringing, uh, he's the heart of this episode, and he sees that Corey's going through something. I really like his speech, even though I don't like that he tells it to Topanga. I like that he says things like, I see a guy who I've always considered very attractive going through some things, and I think he could use the support of his girlfriend. Can I ask you this? Yeah. Would it have been better, because I do agree that Sean is probably, of the entire show's lineup, the worst person to give a discussion to the Panga about focusing on the parents. <laughs> Who of this show, like of the characters that are already introduced into this episode, would you have preferred give that talk to her at the end? Maybe Feeney is like, hey, I've been noticing you've been a little different and have a little talk to her. Maybe it's it's uh it's turner i don't know like Corey, i honestly don't think any grown adult should talk to a child about it you know about yeah. the 16 year old girl about her looks i think that that was smart to do as i said earlier i feel like they should have brought trini back for this if we were going to do it um or even have like her come to the conclusion on her own just by watching other girls i don't know i just because the conclusion really is, like, Sean's like, I don't like you this way. And she's like, well, if you don't like me this way, then I don't want to be this way. Exactly. Well, she's like, this isn't me, is it? And it's like, well, this is a different part of you. And I do like, I like that he says, you know, we're all going through changes right now. And that part is what we should focus on. It's like, hey, yeah. we are all experimenting. That's fine. I just don't like the, for me, what I interpret it as shame being put upon her and especially coming from someone, as you said, is vain. As a matter of fact, there are very few other characters we could have because even if Eric were to do it, Eric, the one who's calling himself good-looking guy, he can't tell his brother's girlfriend that she's being too vain. You know what I mean? I, maybe there should have been a crossover at a certain point where, like, Topanga is talking to Amy or someone else and Eric overhears or maybe vice versa and they kind of learn from each other's revelation. I don't know. Or, you know what? What if it was Morgan 
This would have been a great scene for Morgan. A great to be like, scene for Morgan. Like she just wants to play with Topanga like she used to, and like I always looked like, up to you doing makeup and focusing on herself. And she's like, oh, you used to be more fun before. Something like that. Yeah, you're right. Like, see, I think we we could have done it. But, you know, this was the 90s. I will give it a pass. I will. It is Boy Meets World. It's not flawless. But I, I just think that having Sean, who you pointed out, and I didn't even think about it at the time, who we know is just as superficial and concerned about his looks, be the one to tell Topanga that this isn't the girl he grew up with. Um it's a little unfortunate, but I do like that he says um, Topanga and Corey are his two best friends. Yeah, that was nice. I don't know. I still like the episode a lot. Of course. I love the episode. The episode is very memorable, like, even down to the end where um, Alan puts Eric out and he's like, go find a job now. And then you see Eric <laughs> in the room at night. Go. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I would be remiss if I did not bring up one thing about this show, which is the haircut cycle of shame. Corey goes into a discussion before he, uh, when Topanga's getting her hair done, where he talks about how, like, his, when he, whenever he gets a haircut, it looks terrible for weeks. And then it looks good for, like, a day. And then it's time for him to get a new haircut again. And that's what he refers to as the haircut cycle of shame. I know this. I've memorized it because it's the exact same way in relationship that I have with my hair. Well, you and Corey have similar hair, so I'm not surprised. I get my hair. uh, My hair came along with melanin. What's going on with Corey? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It's really interesting because... One of the things they constantly bring up is Corey's hair. So I do wonder if it was something Ben Savage was a little Him insecure about. Sh- like putting his fingers through his hair and screaming, move, move. And <laughs> Sean being like, be careful, you're going to hurt your fingers. Or whatever. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Uh, so let's start with uh, Feeney taught me. Do you have any lessons for this episode? I, uh, when Topanga says, because this is coming from Topanga herself. This isn't coming from any exterior force. She says... I thought appearance didn't matter, but that's just because I was comfortable with my appearance. And I think that, like, if we just kind of focus on that and, like, the journey that they want us to believe Topanga's going on, I think it's a really nice story. Well, yeah, absolutely. And I can even tie that into Eric's position where it's like Eric was fine with his lot in life as long as things were going the way he thought it would. But now that he – things are different and he doesn't see himself in the position that he thought he would be in – He's really shaken up by it. And I do think that that's a very good lesson that can tie into both storylines. It's like his opportunities were here today, gone tomorrow. (laughs) What? What? You're a loser. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What grade are you giving this episode? I'm giving this episode an A. I don't care. I love it. Okay. I've given it a B plus. I love this episode. It will always hold a place in my heart. But I feel like upon second look, they just did not bring it home for me. If if for nothing else, again, the humor, I, I really liked what they did with the stories. I thought it was written well. I thought all the actors, again, played their characters fantastically. But this episode started a lifelong crush, and I have to honor it. You that. have to honor it. I'm not going to take that away from you. Okay, homework. Tell me what you got for homework. Well, obviously, we've all been watching a lot of TV recently. (laughs) Dude, I just spent $20 on the movie The Hunt that they released on VOD instead of theaters. Why would you spend money on that? Here's the thing. 
I hadn't seen a trailer. Ah. I didn't know anything about it. All someone says was that it was a movie about people who hunt people. And I was like, I'm in. I thought this was going to be like adult horror movie Hunger Games. And I was like, oh, I'm all in on this. But this movie is all over the place. Like, from a from a political standpoint, from a messaging standpoint, I don't know who's supposed to be the good guys or the bad guys. I don't know what they're trying to to, to communicate to us about uh, ultra liberal and conservatism. I, <laughs> I, I didn't get anything from this, and I'm like, oh, that was an experience, a really deep <laughs> insight on a really relevant conversation. I didn't get any of that. So is that your homework? Is that what you're recommending? Yeah, I would say, like, if for whatever reason you can't leave your house for the next, like, week or month or year, this would be a good movie to waste some time with. Okay, all right. You know what? Uh, For me, I'm going to take it to um, they recently recently released Onward by Disney onto Disney+. Plus. I saw that. And I will say this. Is it going to go down in history as one of Pixar's best? No, because in reality, having been home and watched several Pixar movies, I'm like, oh, there's something about world creation that Pixar is able to do that makes you not only love the story, but curious about the world around it. In this movie, they spend a lot of time actually focused on the world building. And, you know, they were kind of like obsessed with the concept of the world. And then the storyline just was kind of secondary. So I was like, uh, I, I see what you were going for, but it's not exactly there. But if you have siblings or just, I don't know, depending on how you feel about loss of a parent or if you've ever been closer to one parent than the other, I don't, I don't really know what to say. But this movie is definitely worth watching. I had a really great time and it did that Pixar thing where it pulled at my heartstrings and I was like, you do exactly what to do and how to do it. So that's my recommendation. Before we close up, I just have to ask you this quick question because we obviously all have some time to kill. <laughs> Top three Pixar movies. Ooh, okay, 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 okay. Wally, Monsters Inc., The Incredibles. <sighs> okay, so I <laughs> I gotta tell you, this is this is this is personal favorites. You know what I yeah. mean? There's no judgments yeah. here. I, I am saying that I'm going to list my three, which are not the three that probably other people would pick. But you know what? I want to hear. I want to hear. In no particular order, Bugs Life. Good. Good movie. Monsters, Inc. is on mine as well. Yep. And Finding Nemo. I was I said Wally, um, kind of off of nostalgia. And maybe if I watch it again. I would feel differently, but I love Finding Nemo, and Finding Nemo is... I think Finding Nemo, as far as world building, is, like, the best that they... Like, one of the best versions of that that they Here's the thing to me. With WALL-E, they were able to get us to care about a trash compactor with no words. You know what I mean? Like, WALL-E is... The first half of WALL-E, there is no dialogue. And we get this crazy romantic story. And I think that's I actually fantastic. like Wally a lot more before there's dialogue introduced. I agree. Before people I completely along. agree. It, 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 has a, it has a weak back half. You know what? And that's why I said I would I would be willing to trade in Wally for Finding Nemo because you're right. Like, Finding Nemo is so good. It, and, like, Dory, when she is telling Marlon, don't go. 
Like I just, it's, oh my god! Like it's great. <laughs> the relationship between Marlin and his son. I, it's oh it's god, all dude, fantastic, and I love it. Watching Monsters Inc. This that was what I was talking about. Where it's like they built this world in Monsters Inc. Amazing, and it's so good. It's so thought out, but the storyline itself is center. Boo is just like an amazing character, bro. Monsters, Inc. is kind of fucking deep about how you have to power government based on fear, but actually joy produces better results than fear. Bro. Give me your thesis paper. I love it. I'm ready for it. A lot of Pixar movies are about corruption from management you know what i mean yeah, it's like, yeah. <laughs> they've been trying that? to tell us well you guys have been listening to bro meets world <laughs> <laughs> i mean all of this is on disney plus so continue to watch uh a lot of you are getting back into it and marathoning we're really happy that you're joining us uh if you have your own opinions on the topanga hair storyline let us know uh tc do you have anything else you want to say yeah, um, uh, if a crime breaks out and you're a cute girl, I want to know, do you shout for a good-looking guy? So let <laughs> us know that. I was also thinking Eric was a little bit ahead of the curve because he's right. There weren't a lot of like cute detective movies. And then like we got a whole slew of them on the USA Network. I wonder, too, if this was like around the time Mission Impossible came out. Ah, good question. Hmm. All right. Yep. All right, thanks for listening to Bro Meets World. Remember, you can find us on all of the places that you listen to podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, all of the places. Uh, leave us a rating. We always appreciate it. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Bro Meets World or email us at Bro Meets World at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege. That's X-T-R-A-C-E-E-J. Uh, Tony, You can find me on Instagram at a braver me. And guys... I just want to say, if you have any friends who you think might be, uh, need some cheer in their life, if the news is like really like freaking people out, making anxiety levels high, nothing feels better than just like feel, filling up that needle and of, of nostalgia and injecting it directly into your veins. Like, bro, <laughs> Boy Meets World is medicine. And if you feel like your friends are freaking out a bit, invite them to watch along, listen along, and we can all get through this together, guys. Absolutely. You know what we should do? Uh, t- we should do a live viewing. We should pick an episode this season Ooh, and, uh, and just do like a live viewing and invite some of our listeners to participate. Bruh, um, oh, oh my god, season four allows so many versions of this. I, I'm i so excited. So we'll figure that out and get back to you guys. But until the meantime, remember to dream. Try. And social distance yourself. Yeah! <laughs> Later, bro. Later, bro.